Zara, I am so excited to talk about today's sponsor. It's the new film, Challenges. It's from the director of Call Me By Your Name, Luca Guadagnino, and stars and is produced by none other than our girl Zendaya. Yeah, you know I love her. You love her too. I love her so much. Zendaya plays Tashi Duncan, a former tennis prodigy turned coach who is married to a Grand Slam champion, currently on a losing streak. And if that's not bad enough, Tashi's strategy to help her husband break his curse sort of takes a surprising and awkward turn. Hmm, awkward indeed. Because now he must face off against his former best friend and Tashi's ex-boyfriend, Patrick. Zara, the tensions are running high. I know. Tashi's someone who makes no apologies for her game on and off the court. It's her game, her rules, but with her past and present colliding, Tashi must face reality and ask herself, what will it cost to win? Challenges is the sexy drama that everyone's talking about and it's definitely not one you want to miss. It's about passion, friendship and what happens when your past comes back to challenge you. You can grab a ticket from Tuesday the 26th. So grab your friends and get excited. I will be grabbing you and we are definitely going to be going to watch it. Oh, please. Thank you so much to Challenges for making this episode of Shameless Possible. And welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You're joined as always by Melbourne journalists Michelle Andrews and Zara McDonald. Hey! Hi! Coming up on today's show, Paris Hilton launches her 27th, yes, her 27th brand fragrance, and why oh why are celebrity fragrances such a thing? Plus, the YouTube drama Clusterfuck that is making its way into the mainstream media. Yes, another YouTube drama, Zara, for the second week in a row. But first, how was your week? Another YouTube drama. Week was not bad. I tell you who I fell in love with this week. I feel like I uh, fall in love quite easily. Jocks on Frillo. Now who's next? Don't tell my boyfriend that, actually. (laughs) I fall in love so easily. It could be someone else next week. Um, Glennon Doyle. Yes, okay. Glennon freaking Doyle. Random as. She's so – I just didn't expect it. It came out of nowhere. You did turn to me during the week and you said, I've just been obsessed with listening to this interview with her. I have always penciled down. Now, if Glennon Doyle happens to ever listen to this podcast – Absolutely no hate. But Glennon Doyle always Hold on. struck me as more of a mummy blogger personality. And as someone with zero kids and zero interest of having a child right now, she didn't seem to be my demo just yet. If Glennon Doyle is listening to this, and hello, Glennon, of course you are, <laughs> she would agree with you. My Glennon would agree with you. She yeah. would say to you, Michelle, yes, I have been known as a Christian mummy blogger, but I am also so much more than that. But you learn my story in your own time. She wouldn't even force it down your throat. Should the, we actually, before you get into it, give some context on who the fuck Glennon Doyle is? just about to say, for those who don't know who the fuck Glennon Doyle is, she is a Christian mummy blogger, She, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. But... She kind of became quite well known because she wrote a lot about her struggles with alcoholism and addiction and Mm -hmm. bulimia. She then wrote a second book talking about how she kind of re-pieced together her marriage after her husband told her that he had been cheating on her basically since they first got married. That is so juicy and interesting. Yeah, but then when the book came out, it was called Love Warrior and she was about to do the book tour, she met a woman by the name of Abby Wombok who she fell in love with and left her husband 
before and had to promote the book about the <laughs> kind of piecing back together of her marriage while saying the marriage actually isn't alive. The reason that she's back on my radar again is because she's released another book called Untamed, her third memoir. Mm-hmm. And you'd think three memoirs <laughs> is a little overkill, but it just couldn't be less overkill. And I listened to an episode of Conversations with her and it was just such a beautiful interview. It was in the middle of the night. I was quite unwell and I couldn't get back to sleep. So I just put it on and it was one of those kind of safety voices. You know where you go to like a comfort voice Mm -hmm. or a comfort episode to kind of make you feel a bit warmer. I don't know. It's like a warm cup of tea. I found that a heap in Glennon and I'm just so interested and so invested in everything she does now. Are you now going to be buying her books? Well, that's what I wanted to ask. I imagine. (laughs) Ask me? No, no, no. Sorry. The the listener, not you. (laughs) I imagine there are so many people listening to this who have bought her book Untamed, who have read her book Untamed. I'd love them to come to the book club Facebook group and tell me whether it's worth reading because I do really want to buy it and I do really want to read it. I really want to read Love Warrior, even though I know the marriage didn't work out. Wait, so you're a fan now? Well, I I think I'm just so into the storyline of writing an entire book about saving your marriage, coming out and doing the publicity for that book and being like, by the by, the marriage ended. I've fallen in love with someone else. And fun fact for those who don't know, Glennon Doyle's new wife, Abby Wombach, is a professional soccer player. Former professional soccer player. So she was the former captain of the US soccer team. So really big deal in the US, like quite a union. I can't believe quite a union. I can't believe you're on the um, Glennon Doyle train now. Well, I think I might be. I think I would love to read her books. I've actually seen a lot of Glennon Doyle quotes floating around. And every time I see them, I'm like, very poignant quote, but I had the mummy blogger thing in my head. But now that you're on the bandwagon, maybe I should join you. I also listened to Dax Shepard, one of my least favourite interviewers, (laughs) but I still put myself through it, interview her. But he also got Kristen Bell on the interview too because Kristen is just like obsessed with Glennon Doyle. And Kristen said something like, you know, one of the first things that ever um, really stuck out to me is that you said Glennon feelings are meant to be felt. And I remember listening to that line being like, well, duh, feelings are meant to be felt. Mm. And then the more I thought about it, and I know this might sound a bit silly, the more I thought about it, the more profound it did sound for me because I was like, how often do we actually deny ourselves feelings all the time? And it's like the most simple sentence. And now I'm not only on the Glennon Doyle train, but I'm on the Kristen <laughs> Bell train for in- introducing me to that quote. Well, you're the one who got on this podcast not that long ago and said you weren't allowing yourself to feel anger. Should we do a quick <laughs> check-in? Are you allowing yourself to feel anger now? Any psychologist listening would just be psychoanalyzing the shit out of this. How was your week? Are you going to tell me if you're feeling anger yet oh yes I reckon I am I reckon there's a few things that have happened in the last month where I've been like fuck that you are improving that's why I brought it up people might be happy to hear (laughs) how about you I'm good I have an apology to make. Yes, you do. My recommendation for the week is for everyone to read articles and watch videos in full before jumping on their pop culture podcast and talking about them. This is one of the more, I actually think this is the most formal, shameless retraction, shameless in many forms, we've <laughs> oh ever had God. to have. Annabelle, I need you to cue the sad music, the somber music, the meaningful music. <clears throat> To the beloved New Zealand listeners (laughs) of this show. On the 29th of June 2020, I made a grave error of judgment. I put a story in the Shameless Quick and Dirty about a video Russell Crowe made without actually watching that video. Instead, I read an article in news.com.au titled Russell Crowe schools Americans in common Aussie slang. I giggled about jandals and the wops and chili bins (laughs) and boobies. and claimed that Russell Crowe must be on another planet because these supposed Aussie slang terms were totally foreign to me. Now, 
I have received more than 600 direct messages to my Instagram account and the Instagram account of Shameless, and it has come to my attention in the days since Zara that Russell Crowe explained in his video that these were actually Kiwi slang terms. Now, I was too busy watching Chris Humphreys wear feathered fedoras on Keeping Up with the Kardashians. I ignorantly trusted the news.com.au headline, and for that, I am unreservedly apologising. I am sure this isn't the first dollop of News Corp clickbait that has led me astray. It won't be the last <laughs> dollop say, either. Or will it be the last? <laughs> if you are from the beautiful land of New Zealand, please know I am so sorry for putting you through that segment. I apologise. I love you. Can we move on? That's all I'm asking for permission to do. Yeah, because we want that bloody transatlantic bubble after <laughs> after COVID and they're going to block us out because of you. We want places to travel. I seem really uncultured. I haven't been to New Zealand. I'll put my hand up and say that. I want to go, but clearly I have not been and neither of you based on your responses to that segment. No, I actually didn't cop much. Though I have never been inundated with more DMs in my entire life after a segment. Our shameless inbox was drowning in them. Also, there was a lot of commentary from people being like, you guys must not have any Kiwi friends. <laughs> I actually have a few Kiwi friends. Do they not listen to the podcast? I don't know. Oh, Maybe not great not. friends then. I don't know. Maybe they just don't care that much. They also think they kind of don't care anymore. Um, it was not our best move. So please accept both of our apologies. <sighs> My deepest apology. Shall we get on to today's very first segment? Yes, please. We're starting with Paris Hilton, aren't we? We absolutely are because Paris Hilton did a profile interview with Vogue this week, which I was surprised to see. I didn't feel like Vogue and Paris Hilton were on the same page when it comes to like branding. Is that mm, fair? Yeah. We've just slammed Dak Shepard and Paris Hilton in the first 10 minutes. And you tried to slam Glennon Doyle, but came what, did a big 180 within about 30 seconds. Calling Glennon Doyle a mummy blogger when that's precisely what she has been is not offensive. You're arguing my argument back to you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Paris Hilton and Vogue. No, I think that there's some sort of mid noughties nostalgia about mm. Paris Hilton. And I think that there's something about fashion and the kind of clothes that she wore and the trends that she set back in that time that means she'll probably always be relevant in a Vogue context. That said, it was a pretty nothingy interview. The only thing that stood out for either of us was the fact that she announced that she was launching her 26th and 27th <laughs> perfume. Who has 26 or 27 perfumes? Like it is ridiculous. When I read that, I was like, that could not be true. It is true, listeners. I went and did my research and, yes, I read the whole article this time. I didn't just skim read for a quick and dirty story. Paris Hilton does currently have 25 fragrances. Now, it sounds like a lot. I feel like roughly a third of those fragrances are just the men's version. Like yes, All of them agree. are women. So she'll do like Paris Hilton for women and then there'll be Paris Hilton for men. But I did write down the big name fragrances that are different from each other that aren't in like the same bundle. So Paris Hilton is currently selling Just Me, Heiress, Fairy Dust, Siren, <laughs> Tease, Dazzle, Can Can, Can Can Burlesque, With Love, Gold Rush, Rose Rush and Platinum Rush perfumes. Yeah, there's a few lazy, lazy names here. Can Can by Paris Hilton, Can Can Burlesque, Can Can Bling Edition. <laughs> like, what the fuck? With Wait, the can Bling can? Edition, does that mean the perfume I, bottle is bejeweled? Yes, it's a bejeweled bottle, but the scent is the same. So that is counted as a separate perfume that they make money off. Did you know, Michelle Elizabeth Finefoot and Andrews, that 
Paris Hilton has surpassed $2.5 billion in sales across all of her 25 perfumes. <gasps> what? Does that not make you sick? I know we started this segment as a bit of a joke and to be honest, the entire thing might be a bit of a joke, but that is an insane amount of money and an insane industry that we kind of probably haven't unpacked properly beyond your obsession with Michael Bublé's rose gold. Well, here's the thing. How much money have I made Michael Bublé? I know he, I know that the celebrities at the heart of these perfumes wouldn't profit every single cent coming in, but she would have made hundreds of millions of dollars off these perfumes. And I wonder if any of them are any good. I've never had a Paris Hilton perfume, have you? No, nor have I. In fact, I didn't actually know that she was kind of thick in the fragrance game. <laughs> Just 26 or 27? Just 26 or 27. She's made more than um, than Britney Spears. Britney Spears has 24 fragrances. What? Yeah. For Curious, you know, like the, the staple Britney yes. fragrance. I have had Curious before. She was paid $52 million for that. That's US dollars. So part of me wonders if they're paid kind of an upfront fee and then maybe get like a, a fee per bottle sold after that. Yeah. A 2013 Hollywood Reporter report said that Curious had sold 500 million units <gasps> from its release until 2013. Wait, 500 million units? Yeah. 500 million people in the world have a bottle of Britney Spears Curious. Okay, a couple of things. Don't do this to me now because I feel like I need to fact check if my if my fact is that wild. If it's a Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe will always live on as the guy who like made Shameless come unstuck. There's so we'll just be, refer to it as pulling a Russell. There's going to be there's gonna be many mid-show fact checks today, I reckon. No, but this was over the course of about 10 years. So we're not saying that 500 million people have it. This could be the same kind of customer coming back every year. I was about to say, I reckon I had at least four bottles in my time of Curious. So I'm like taking up my little portion of that pie. I was actually always very jealous of people who had Curious because I never had it. What, Curious. Trish and David never bought it for you? No, Trish and David didn't. <laughs> Mum bought me weird ones. Mum bought me weird unnamed ones and they were so dorky. And always, oh, Mum does listen to this and I say this every week, but she always bought me like kind of dorky grandma bottles that were like a brownie, yellowy, orangey in tone and yes. they're dorky. Mum once bought me, sorry, Mum, I bet you as well she denies this. She bought me like Elizabeth Arden perfume oh. when I was like 11 years old. The the red one? Yeah. Because my nana wore that like that reminds me of my late grandma and <laughs> yeah, so if yeah, I no. smelt that on you I'd be like Margaret <laughs> is that you 11 year old me and how old Margaret like 80 year old Margaret smelling she was about 80 same. at the time when she was wearing it so much anyway yes so here according to the Hollywood Reporter just to double double fact check Curious sold more than 500 million bottles since 2004 that is over the course of about 10 years this is just boggling my brain however I do have a stat that JLo Bless her. J-Lo's glow, I feel like. Remember her glow perfume? It's still on sale now, but Not it was like a off big the deal. top of my head. I'm Search the bottle because it's like a very iconic bottle and my mum used to have it for so many years. I feel like her perfume was like the upmarket celebrity perfume yeah, was that was okay. One. It was like the one you're I not embarrassed to have. That sold so much in its first year, it made $100 million in sales in a year alone. I think there's something interesting about celebrity perfumes always having been kind of dorky. Not as dorky as the perfumes I used to have but kind of dorky because there was a 2005 article from the New York Times, which I think you'll enjoy, which was titled The Guilty Pleasure of Smelling Like Vanilla and Peach. And the article itself was focused on perfumes like Curious interviewing women who said they have it secretly and often mm. don't wear it by itself, but often mixed it with other perfumes oh. because they didn't want it to be that obvious. Because I think everyone knew what the Britney Spears perfume smelled like by yeah. that time. Yeah, totally. I also think as well, like it's something that's dorky, but everyone gets a little bit of a sense of pride of like 
circumventing the system, like not needing to spend $150 on a bottle of fancy water, being able to go out to Priceline, get a bottle that costs you $30 that might have Michael Bublé's name on it and still get lots of compliments. Like I really do think a lot of people jumped on the Michael Bublé bandwagon with me last year because you feel like you're beating some system that's geared against you. Well, they also last. They last a while. And I I started thinking (laughs) in my research, quote unquote, for this segment as to why they're so popular. And I think it has something to do with the fact that we don't have a reference point for fragrance. Like we can't actually look online and see if it's good. So if there's a name attached to it and it's a name we recognize, then we're probably more inclined to buy it. Also, as you keep saying, the prices aren't skewed in a really ridiculous way. How much are we endorsing tangents today? (laughs) (laughs) Which is one in and of itself. Did you just have a tangent talking about tangents? Yeah. Have you finished with your perfume talk? No. Well, speaking about the celebrities and trusting certain people's names. Okay, we're not endorsing them then. (laughs) (laughs) Trusting certain people's names. I do want to put the names to you. So I researched the top selling celebrities as far as fragrance goes. And I can't seem to find a link. Like I don't know what it is about this group of celebrities that makes us want to smell like them. So two of the top sellers are, of course, Britney Spears and Paris Hilton. Then you've also got Beyonce, J-Lo, David Beckham. David Beckham's a huge one Huge one. Kim Kardashian, Ariana Grande, Jennifer Aniston and Rihanna. Like, of course, these are some of the biggest named celebrities in the whole world. But what is it about those particular ones? It's also very heavily musicians like Britney Spears, Beyonce, J-Lo, Ariana Grande, Rihanna. Why is it so much more geared towards musicians and maybe reality stars than it is towards actresses? I don't know. Maybe there is something... Smelling like a rock star. Yeah, (laughs) there's there's certainly like a sexiness that they try to sell with perfume, right, and fragrance. I definitely think there's a sexiness factor, but that still doesn't really (laughs) – to have that argument, then you're arguing that rock stars are sexier than actresses. Is that true? Well, like Emma Stone and Margot Robbie aren't out there creating fragrances. I'm just so confused why it's these names that seem to sell in such ridiculously massive numbers. Yeah, it's a really good point. And for the Kardashian brand in particular, this is a side to their business that is just been living on since the like mid 2000s so Kim Kardashian released her fragrance I think it was around 2009 then Khloe Kardashian and Lamar Odom released a couple fragrance I feel like we definitely need to bring these back this is still on the market but I haven't seen a couple fragrance be marketed to something new recently they're selling Unbreakable Love by Khloe and Lamar which feels like a pretty tone deaf perfume to sell when Unbreakable Love was quite breakable was quite breakable in 2013 (laughs) when Khloe Kardashian and Lamar Odom had a very messy separation and then eventual divorce like it's so interesting to me that the Kardashian brand chooses to still have that perfume on the market despite the couple not even being together anymore it must still be drawing in the dollars money 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 absolutely so I don't know I think what we need to do I think something that I've had in my head for a little while particularly since Buble Gate of 2019 is that I really want to get Annabelle Annabelle will be hearing this for the first time as she edits she'll be like great another task for me to do <laughs> another shit canning task they're <laughs> making me do to go to Priceline get the biggest name celebrity perfumes, hide them from us, like conceal them or something, spray them, and then you and I have to create a hierarchy without knowing whose perfume belongs to which celebrity. And I think we need to match them to the celebrity. Yeah, absolutely. We need to like hear the names. Annabelle can come to us and be like, I've got Kim Kardashian, Ariana Grande, Jen Aniston and Rihanna. We have to pick, like match them up and then order them in a hierarchy as to whose is the best. Nice. I'd like you to go for a hierarchy. (laughs) 
Can I also do my tangent now? Oh, wait, you actually had another tangent. I have a huge tangent. Oh, God, okay. It's a Paris Hilton tangent if we finish with our perfume <laughs> chat. Because as I was doing my research, lol research, for this segment, I was Googling Paris Hilton and I have not read about Paris Hilton in a long time. And I opened up a Daily Mail article with some of the dumbest lines I've read in such a long time. Can, Can I you, read them to you? Do you have the headline? Nah, it's just, it's just, so you know our favourite parts about Daily Mail articles is when <laughs> what they've clearly done is taken pap photos of someone, have no text or no story, so they pat it out with really, really mundane details about what's going on in the images. <laughs> it's kind of like when she's like, battered her mascara and lashes. And what you'll find, and this is quite a long passage, but what you'll find in this passage, it is remarkable what this journalist has done to never use the same word twice to <laughs> describe essentially the same thing, if I may. So it's describing a Paris Hilton pap shot. Yep. And she's out with her sister and her boyfriend and her mum. Okay, I'm ready. Paris dazzled in a rainbow rhinestone face mask, some matching star earrings and a pair of black heart-shaped sunglasses. She paired her eccentric accessories with a green pattern dress that featured a high neckline and a flattering cinched waist. The heiress laid up her look with a black lace cardigan that matched with her designer handbag and unique lace-up heels. I'm not even halfway through. Hilton had her lengthy blonde tresses styled into a neat half-up, half-down hairdo that she swept over over to one side. Though Carter, which is her boyfriend, was devoid of colour, <laughs> Nikki and Kathy made sure to pull through with vibrant ensembles of their own. Wait, 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 pause. When she writes devoid of colour, does she just mean was wearing black? Yes, was wearing black. <laughs> but like it makes you sound like he was devoid of colour in his like facial you know, in, all for, in all realms of life. Nikki rocked a multi-toned kimono that she laid over a black tank top with delicate lace detailing on the neck. Her blonde hair was styled similarly <laughs> to Paris's and she wore a black face mask that she coordinated with her purse. She slipped her slender stems, <laughs> <laughs> which is definitely not one I've heard before. <laughs> her slender stems. Is that the new pert derriere? No, it's, I don't know. Is it, it's, I think it's legs. No, it's legs, but like they always have their buzz term. For like a second, it was like washboard abs. Then it was pert derriere i wonder if what is it slim stems slender stems in a pair of skin tight jeans and topped her outfit off with some black stiletto heels wait that my last two lines are my the favorites as the breeze picked up kathy was forced to hold her dress in place with her hands she also happened to be juggling a handkerchief a pair of reading glasses and a woven bag in her hands how many words is that? I'm going to do a word count. My stomach hurts. I felt like I was always going to fall off my chair. I was pissing myself when I read this. Do you reckon this journalist, bless her soul or bless his soul? Whoever, I don't actually have the name, but I'm actually very impressed, like genuinely very impressed. Whoever was responsible for that masterpiece surely had a word count that they really had to reach. Like why else would you say devoid of colour when you could just say wore black? And also I cut out quite a few lines. I cut out lines. Oh there was God. so much more than that. That was 200 words. Anyway, so we got from perfume to there, but I think we did a good job. Yeah, let's uh, wrap this up now, please. <laughs> Thank you, next bitch. And now it is time for the quick and dirty. As always, we bring you the top five stories from the rough and tumble of the celebrity and pop culture news cycle. Michelle, what have you got for me? G'day. I'm so sorry, everyone. I have to announce some bad news as my very first story for the quick and dirty. Khloe Kardashian and Tristan Thompson are giving their relationship another try. That is according to People magazine. I call bullshit. 
You call bullshit on this stuff, but I legitimately think it's true. I don't understand true, the name of their child. <laughs> I actually don't know how this couldn't be the case. I know that it was a long bow to draw with Courtney and Scott last week, and I won't even apologize for talking about another Kardashian romance this week. But Tristan and Chloe are posting together on Instagram. They look extraordinarily happy on a trampoline in a photo that Tristan oh, posted. Oh, well, then it must be true. <laughs> trampoline selfies. <laughs> but he did post a photo for her birthday and he wrote I thank God for the beautiful and loving woman you are to everyone especially our daughter True you deserve the world Coco True and I love you mama happy birthday Chloe Kardashian Kim Kardashian not only follows Tristan Thompson on Instagram now she commented on his post saying he was so beyond sweet yeah, well, there is certainly something to say about the fact that Kim is following him again and being kind about it. That said, there's something weird going on in this family. I mean, there's always something weird going on in this family. But first, it was the rumours that Kylie and Travis mm. were getting back together, which was debunked by my friend Mason Disick. <laughs> the second thing that happened was the rumours about Courtney Kardashian getting back together with Scott. And now there's this. I'm not sure what they're trying to peddle. Maybe there's just nothing else going on in their lives and they need to stir up some headlines again. But I just, I don't know if it's going to be strictly true. But it's a story they want to tell I, I think we often come to this I guess like juncture where you believe everything from a cynical point of view and I'm more trusting okay. of my beloved celebrities you, you, you think say, everything's a publicity stunt I love this you but you basically think everything's cynical when me I think a little bit of both <laughs> it's like you give me the most absolute end of the spectrum and yourself the most I'm reasonable the more rational and reasonable I, when it comes to the Kardashians there are very few things I trust yes okay well interesting see I think that perhaps one of the reasons that there is so much drama surrounding the romantic relationships of the Kardashians is so many of their relationships began on really rock grounds to begin with. Courtney Kardashian and Scott Disick, as we touched on last week, have always been on again, off again. Kylie Jenner and Travis Scott got pregnant within a few months of dating and that's very tricky for a 19-year-old. She was 19 years old when she fell pregnant with Stormy. Then you've got Khloe Kardashian and Tristan Thompson. They got pregnant quite soon after beginning dating as well. On top of that, Khloe Kardashian is the kind of person who gets married to someone within three weeks of knowing them, as we know with her marriage to Lamar Odom. So it's not like these people have the most solid, stable, romantic relationships. Yeah, but what's to say it wasn't great publicity to get engaged within three weeks or married within three weeks? The best part about a story like this is we'll never really know, Michelle. We will never know. I do want to ask one question before we move on. Is there any way in any world that a man who has cheated on his pregnant uh. partner in her third trimester, a la third trimester Tristan, yeah. can have a redemption story. Can Tristan Thompson ever come back in your eyes? Could he ever be a good partner to her? Um, <laughs> no. Yeah. Is that bad? You I know actually what, don't know if you're capable. If you're capable of cheating on your pregnant spouse – Multiple times and then cheating with a family friend. I think it's that. I think it's the idea that it's not just a one-time thing. And even if it was a one-time thing, I think I'd be a little bit iffy about it. But it's it's clearly consistent behaviour. I just, I don't know. And that kind of morality, like that break in morality, if you're capable of that on any level, I'm not sure if you are able to become a truly good and faithful person. Quick side note, Jen Atkin, who is the hairstylist of all of the Kardashians. <laughs> you are the queen of uh, tangents today. Yeah, let's just have a convo, mate. No <laughs> Jen Atkin, the hairstylist of all the Kardashians, who <laughs> seems quite cool in her own right. 
Yeah, her. I follow her and I don't know why. She's just one of those people that I like to follow. I don't know if I've missed something if she's not cool or if she is, but she seems it. She's releasing a book. <laughs> Do you see what the title of the book is? Was this I Blew My Way to the Top it's or something? Blowing My Way to the Top. <laughs> Amazing. Like what a great title for your book if you're a hairdresser. Love yeah, it. That's all I wanted to say. Great. Thank you so much. My second story, another relationship story. Again, zero apologies. Angie Kent's interview, Ari, Carlin breakup, just spilt some big tea. That is from Nova. You insisted on using this headline when that gives no context as to who Angie Kent and Carlin are. For those who might be in New Zealand, my favourite country now forevermore, home of Russell, Angie and Carlin were the bachelorette and the winner, of course, from last season. Yes, and they've broken up and I insisted on using this headline because it said that Angie spilt some big tea, big in capital letters, and she spilt no tea. Zero tea, right? What did she actually do? She said something like, out of respect for Carlin, I won't say what happened in the inner workings of our relationship, which is an amazing way of saying, actually, I'm not going to say that. (laughs) What are you going to say? I think it's a great way of kind of phrasing something without saying much. If you know what I mean. I don't know what you mean. And I'm going to deliberately make you spell it out for me and the listeners. Let me read between the lines of what you're saying now, because you're reading between the lines of Angie's statement and I'm reading between the lines of your reenactment of Angie's statement. Right. Are you implying that Angie's implying that Carlin was at fault for the split? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because let me put it to you this way, right? Ollie and I break up and I say to you, out of respect for Ollie, <laughs> I'm not going to release the inner workings of our relationship. I do. Think Are the inner workings going to be bad on him or me? Well, it is interesting. You and Ollie would be different because Ollie doesn't have any kind of public like platform or work. They both have public platforms, yet she's the one giving the statement. I think taking the power into your own hands and being the one to go to the media and be like, we split out of respect for him, I won't say anything, implies that she yeah, good point. wants to take control of a narrative that he had the biggest part in. Oh, and the other thing, I missed the most important part. She said that their values don't align. Yeah. Which is pretty huge and I think a very solid reason to break up. It's a it's a very leading statement. Going publicly and saying my values don't align with my ex. What does that mean? I mean, it could mean anything. She and said she'll never tell us, so. I, another story we'll never find a conclusion for. <laughs> My third story. A reflection in the photo of Elon Musk and Kanye West appears to show Grimes taking the picture. That is from Business Insider. <laughs> you I? brought this to the table. <laughs> I'm going to leave you just to bat this one out for yourself. Ew, bat this one out. Is that oddly <laughs> sexual? You, you're you going to have to just cope with this one. What's going on? I don't really remember putting this one in. Um <laughs> Right, I guess I better fight for this one. Elon Musk and Kanye West took photos together. They're buddies. They're buddy buddies. And I couldn't think of a more suited pairing. Elon Musk was wearing, was it, one of them was wearing an orange jacket, another was wearing a black T-shirt with a little orange logo on it. And then the caption was, we're both in orange. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is that all? I actually have no fucking idea what I wanted to say on that. Do you know? I mean, odd friends, two billionaires. I mean, I don't know if Kanye West is actually a billionaire, but after the Kylie and Forbes scandal. Well, I say a suited match, but it's also the kind of match that could go really haywire really quick. Like mm-hmm. you're drawn together very quickly, but also the quirks in those personalities really could kind of butt heads too. I mean, maybe we're selling them short. Apparently Elon Musk, of course, founder of Tesla and Kanye West, founder of Yeezy Shoes. They have been friends since 2015 and apparently they're big fans of each other's work. Apparently Elon gets around LA wearing Yeezys and Kanye gets around LA in a Tesla. So big fans of each other's artwork. So who wanted to bring this story in the end? Well, I just happen to know a lot of Elon Musk and Kanye West related trivia, but you're the one who wanted to um, keep it alive. I'm sorry I had to resuscitate the segment for you. I feel saved. (laughs) 
My fourth story for today's Quick and Dirty. MasterChef Australia's jocks on Frillo calls out racism towards Melissa Leong. HuffingtonPost.com. I did not see this story around. This was awesome. Basically, jocks on Frillo received a troll, a very, very nasty troll message from a viewer of MasterChef who used a racial slur. I'm not going to repeat the racial slur because I don't think it's important and I don't think it actually helps anyone to use the word. So he basically called out the viewer and named and shamed them on his Instagram story. He took a screenshot, put it up, had the person's full name in full view and defended Melissa Leong and said she was a fantastic colleague and a fantastic person to work with. And Melissa then commented on the incident throughout the week in a couple of social media posts. But I'm just so tired of any kind of racism or trolling that these MasterChef judges are receiving. It's just egregious and gross. My final story for today's Quick and Dirty, 59 of the weirdest celebrity baby names of all time. That is from Elle magazine. And just like last week, Zara, I have a quiz for you, although this time I completely read and watched everything I I needed to. You done your research? No Russell names included in this. Are you ready for some of the weirdest celebrity baby names? I'm going to give you the baby name. Yep. And you have to give me the celebrity in return. Oh, easy. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, we're actually going to start with an easy one. If Go. you don't get the first one, you're basically screwed for the entire thing. Hit me. Culture Kiari Cephas. Oh, yeah, I'm fucked. Oh, you don't know that one. We've talked about this on the podcast before. Culture. This baby was named while we've been doing Shameless and it has been a quick and dirty story. I bet it has. You are absolutely screwed. American? Yes, American. I Culture. thought you'd get this straight off the bat. Say that again. Culture Kiari I think Cephas. It's C-E-P-H-U-S. Nah. Might be Cephas. That's Cardi B. Oh. Cardi B's baby is called Culture. Remember? Nah. Oh, God. You're oh, absolutely dear. screwed. What musician? I'm going to give you a few clues. A singer who has two sons, one named Egypt, one named Genesis. A singer with two sons named Egypt and Genesis. <laughs> oh, my God. This is actually a hard quiz. Imagine calling your child Egypt. And Genesis. Genesis I don't mind. Like calling your kid Australia, I guess. Um, who who has two kids? I don't know. Alicia Keys. I'm really not doing well here. You're not. Alicia Keys. All right, my next one. This is a Spice Girl. I'm going to give you a very oh, specific. You've easy. got a one in five shot of <laughs> Which Spice Girl named one daughter Bluebell Madonna and one son Montague George Hector Horner? Jerry Halliwell. Yes. Montague George Hector Horner. Okay, a couple of things. You're not calling him Montague George Hector Horner in school. But, like, uh, So his name's Montague, so it's not that mean. That said, that said, I wouldn't do it to my child. And why Hector Horner? Just pick one. They're basically the same. What if they're, they're, you know, deep family names? Like, Montague George Hector or Montague George Horner. I can live with that. Hector and Horner side by side. I just need someone to explain to me why. One here, uh, I'm going to give you a clue. He's in a movie that I don't think either of us would watch and he's definitely not our generation. Wonderful. He's renowned for being a tough guy. He named his son Sage Moonblood and a daughter Sistine. The Rock. (laughs) Oh, what? Who? (laughs) The Rock. He was so confident. I know. Sylvester Stallone. Oh, he's so not my vibe. (laughs) No, he's not your vibe at all. Last one. Which celebrity couple, two famous people, named their son Bronx Mowgli? Bronx. Middle name, middle name Mowgli. Like Bronx. quite famous? Look, I would say one of them has a fam- more famous sister. That's oh. your clue. Oh. One of the, the, the mother of this child has a far more famous sister, but she did Ashley have a brief- Simpson. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Good clue. Ashley Simpson and Pete Wentz named their son Bronx. Well, there you go. Thanks so much for that. I literally pray for all these children. (laughs) That's two from five for me. (laughs) 
Coming up after the break, the YouTube drama clusterfuck has just clicked into overdrive. But first, a word from our sponsor. All right, guys, I'm going to set the scene of this next segment about YouTube Carmageddon because it requires some context and it has many moving parts and even involves Will and Jada Pinkett Smith's family. Is this going to be a big one? This is going to, okay, I'm actually needing to like gear myself up for it so I can get through this description. Please, whatever you're doing right now, stop just for two minutes while I explain the key players. Otherwise, you're going to spend the next 20 minutes being completely and utterly lost. Last year, Zara and I did a big shameless segment on a feud between vloggers and beauty creators, James Charles and Tardy Westbrook. At the time, we, along with basically all of you, were very confused. Teenage YouTube sensation James Charles was being cancelled for supposedly betraying his best friend Tardy Westbrook by promoting a competitor's vitamin gummy products at Coachella. He also was accused of allegedly pursuing straight men in a way that Tardy Westbrook deemed was inappropriate and uncomfortable. James Charles' takedown in Tardy Westbrook's by sister video has now become something of YouTube legend. The video received more than 40 million views on the platform, was one of the biggest gossip items of 2019 and sparked a mudslide for James Charles' career with more than 3 million people unfollowing him in the space of seven days and thousands of his loyal fans posting videos of them destroying his recently released eyeshadow palette. Longtime friends and YouTube alums, Shane Dawson and Jeffree Star, who were in a little bit of a foursome with Tardy Westbrook and James Charles, they have a collective following of more than 30 million people and took the opportunity to publicly slam James Charles and then proceeded to dance on his proverbial grave, labelling him a danger to society. James Charles was reportedly so depressed in the wake of all of this that he contemplated suicide. Only in the last year or so, something rather odd has happened. All of the claims that James Charles was dangerous and predatory never eventuated into anything. Actually, it seemed that concern about James Charles' behaviour was some kind of masked homophobia, with multiple men coming forward to say that while they identified as straight, yes, they had entered into a consensual relationship with the openly gay star. Fast forward a few months and the Bi Sister video was deleted from YouTube in its entirety and Westbrook went to ground completely, claiming there was a lot more to the fiasco than meets the eye. Secretly, she met with James Charles in private last Christmas to patch things over and heal and together they decided that the two people on the periphery of the May 2019 scandal, Jeffree Star and Shane Dawson, had potentially orchestrated the whole thing and gaslit Tardy into turning on her longtime friend by feeding her false information. Zara, are you still with me? I'm still with you. Oh, I needed a second to breathe. I know. (laughs) In a video released last week, Tardy Westbrook claimed that Shane Dawson and Jeffree Star had not only encouraged her and prompted her to make the takedown video about James Charles, but they also made offers to edit and produce it. Murmurs on Twitter, in YouTube videos and across Instagram stories started bubbling that perhaps the long-standing king of YouTube, Shane Dawson, is not the angel he has long purported himself to be. Really, Tardy Westbrook now alludes, he was a puppeteer who co-orchestrated the takedown of a threat and laughed all the way to the bank. Which is where I want to start with you right here, Zara, right? This is all allegations. We need to say that from the get-go. None of this is confirmed. We don't know. Everyone's kind of slinging mud at each other. So we need to say nothing is fact. Everything is allegations. But to understand why the beauty community on YouTube is so broken and so dramatic and so fucked up, I think you have to understand just how much money is involved and that's where we are going to begin. Firstly, nice work. 
Well done. I, am, I need like a Ventolin inhaler or something. Take a break. Are you feeling dizzy? <laughs> I'm going to rehydrate. Everyone just let me drink my water bottle. So you're right. The crux of all of the dramas going on on YouTube, or most of them that seem to erupt in like the beauty YouTuber space, are around money, right? And I think what's really fascinating to me and what you've taught me a lot about the James Charles and Tardy Westbrook controversy is that this all came last year after James Charles's eyeshadow palette, which was called Unleash Your Inner Artist, became arguably the highest selling YouTube collab of all time. So I don't think that there's any public figures on how much money he made from that, but it is reported to be huge. Yeah, it's sold out in like record time. I would be guessing that given other stats that we've heard from other influencers, over a million, at least, a million eyeshadow yeah. would have been sold. Yeah, so millions he would have made. The controversy from last year, as we know, trashed his reputation and very tragically made him very suicidal. And what's kind of interesting about what happened a few months later is that on November 1st, the conspiracy palette by Jeffree Star and Shane Dawson was released. So we've yes. got two competing eyeshadow palettes. We do. And I think the eyeshadow palettes are actually at the heart of everything here. And isn't that bizarre? Yeah, because... By Jeffree Star's own admission, makeup products take at least 12 months to produce. So if that's true for the conspiracy palette that was released last year on November 1st. Interesting name. That was in, yeah, very interesting name, by the way. I wonder if they were all kind of laughing at us while pocketing our money. Not my money. I never bought it because fuck that. So much money for an (laughs) eyeshadow that I'm never going to wear. How much are they selling them for? They were selling them for $52 US. So that would be what, like $80 Australian or something. Then you've got to add like shipping and all that type of stuff. What I want to say about this is that if it takes 12 months to produce an eyeshadow palette and there's so much that goes into it, Shane Dawson and Jeffree Star were working together potentially behind the scenes when the James Charles trashing happened in May and then in the lead up to that used that controversy, that drama to kind of add fuel to their own PR machinery to then sell their eyeshadow palette. I don't think it's too big of a boat to stretch. In fact, it seems quite reasonable that that's actually what probably happened because the amount of units we're talking about being sold here is huge. Like I think you told me before we jumped on mic that Shane Dawson and Jeffree Star sold a million palettes in 30 minutes. In half an hour, yep. The Daily Mail calculated that that equaled $35 million on launch day of revenue. So think about that. You can't possibly just create this concept in three months. Like this is more than 12 months in the making, particularly when you're making that many units and trying to work out where they're being shipped to and where they're being stored. Absolutely. And I think as well, the whole reason the eyeshadow palettes are the crux of all this is that it really does illustrate just how much YouTube is like the Hunger Games right now. It is. The beauty community on YouTube is the Hunger Games because there is such money in this business. The makeup industry globally is worth $532 billion. That's the value of the beauty industry. So that would include makeup and skincare, I'm guessing. But this means that there's so much money up for grabs, but the money sits with big brands. The big brands like Morphe and NARS and MAC Cosmetics. I'm sure everyone can think of other ones in their heads, but there are only so many brands that these huge influencers can collaborate with. So being the top influencer on YouTube is an extremely profitable and powerful position to be in. I wouldn't be surprised if James Charles had risen to the very top spot of YouTube as a teenager and he had men and women in their 30s below him thinking that guy up the top is going to take tens of millions of dollars in endorsement deals out of our pockets. If we want to be the top collabs, if we want to have the top selling products, we need to get him down. And looking back, I think a lot of people have looked at the controversy of last year, the whole trashing of James Charles's public image, the fact that nothing seemed to come out after that that really matched up with all the claims that were being levelled against him. And everyone's thinking, 
what's the motive here? Why was James Charles stripped from his throne at the top of YouTube? And I think ultimately the answer has to be money. The motive has to be money. I think it, I think it absolutely does because there's just so much money flowing around in this community. I do wonder and I do think that in the coming months and years, there will be some really interesting kind of unpacking of that Tardy Westbrook, James Charles saga because as kind of frivolous and silly as it was painted at the time and it was very interesting that it made its way into literally mainstream newspapers like The Age Mm. in Melbourne and people kind of giggled at it that this silly little furor had made its way into the news cycle, there's a reason that it did and I think it says a lot about our zeitgeist and I also says I think it says a lot about takedown culture mm. and he was just 19 at the time. Like there is so much to unpack and I know that's not solely our focus today but if we're talking about Shane Dawson and how potentially he was behind the scenes as one of the puppeteers, then it might explain a lot of his problematic behaviour in the past that's now being uncovered. Yeah, absolutely. I also think when you have something like the YouTube beauty community, which is so hierarchical in that everyone has their follower count, everyone has their viewership count. You also have to ask yourself, do the people at the top of the tree have a price? Do they have a price where they can see a $10 million paycheck and think I will do whatever I can to get my hands on that money? And I think as long as we're keeping that in mind, it might explain a lot of the shit that tends to go down on social media and just how dark, to be honest, some of the power on social media can be. It seems very dark behind the scenes. So, so for those who have seen Shane Dawson's name pop up a little bit more, more than Jeffree Star's in the last kind of week or two, what came next after all of this started simmering is that fans started digging up old problematic videos of his because it also does very much seem to be a time for it, right? We were talking about Jenna Marbles last week and old content and they found instances of him doing blackface, of him joking about sexually assaulting his cat, of using racial slurs. And it's interesting to me, Mish, that he has 23 million subscribers And no one had really held him to account for these things before. Do you think it's a product of being a white man in this industry or is that too simplistic? Um, I do think it's too simplistic. I think what's happened is a lot of people did a lot of problematic stuff online for years, for over a decade. And I don't think we really had a reckoning until the Black Lives Matter movement this year when everyone began thinking, what is the standard we accept? What are we going to walk past? And I think all of us had to kind of what's the like shape up or ship out I don't know what the word is for no, it I think really that's it. yeah we all had to kind of check ourselves and I think anyone who refused to do that was going to plummet and going to fall what is interesting about this is that the controversy and the takedown of Shane Dawson has all come about after he released another eyeshadow palette with Jeffree Star just a couple of weeks ago called controversy and I think selling an eyeshadow palette off the back of controversy is quite ironic because man oh man is he heaped in it right now. I, oh my God, isn't the irony there? He is and he's also heaped in it because of the the Pinkett Smiths. And I think Mish, this is one of the grossest things that he has done and he's done a few as we said in the list but there was a video that has re-emerged of him from years ago pretending to masturbate over a poster of an 11-year-old Willow Smith which is the daughter of Jada Pinkett Smith and Will Smith. In response, Response, Jada Pinkett Smith came out and said to Shane Dawson, I am done with the excuses. Jaden said, Shane Dawson, I am disgusted by you. You sexualizing an 11-year-old girl who happens to be my sister is the furthest thing from funny and not okay in the slightest bit. That tweet got 1.1 million likes. It is one of Jaden Smith's, of course, Willow Smith's brother, most liked tweets of all time. This is the interesting thing, right, about Shane Dawson. 
The sexualizing children content is not a one-off thing. It's not like he just sexualized Willow Smith one time, which is disgusting in itself. I cannot imagine an excuse under the sun for a grown man to sexualize an 11-year-old girl and to pretend to masturbate in front of a photo of her. I don't give a fuck what your reason is, what your excuse is. There isn't one. It's disgusting and depraved. On top of that, Shane Torson has been quoted on his own podcast in the past equating pedophilia to a fetish and equating it to a form of sexuality which is an incredibly complicated point to make and one that absolutely should not be reduced to a soundbite or joked about as a fetish. I am interested Mish in why we think this is all flaring up now because there are so as you said at the start it feels like the Hunger Games on YouTube like so much is going down and I think there must be something in YouTube fame and the era that these stars became famous because I wonder if it's got a lot to do with fame on YouTube and saying crazy outrageous things they were often directly correlated like in order to find an audience you had to be really strained with your humor and really inappropriate and really nuts and the more nuts things you did or said the bigger following you grew we've kind of grown out of that now and a lot of the people that got followings did that Mm. also I think the other reason that perhaps we're finding ourselves I say we but I mean these stars are finding themselves in such a mess is that YouTube asks its stars to give over every single part of themselves in order to build an audience I think with YouTube stars we need to be invested in every nook and every cranny of their character and we need to know every single thing about them I wonder, and this is not at all an excuse for Shane Dawson or Jeffree Star, if many people gave every piece of themselves over to the internet over the course of 10 years that any of us would come out unscathed. Mm. That said, like I said, it is no excuse. I doubt most of us would do three quarters of the fucked up things that Shane Dawson did, but there has to be something in it, right? I, I agree with you that anyone who shares that much of their life over the course of 10 years will regret something they've done. What I think is the difference is that the kinds of people who want to climb this kind of ladder is a particular kind of person. Yeah, that's very true. And I think it's often a narcissist, to be blunt about it. Someone who is very interested in self-gain and climbing the tree and becoming as big and fancy, as powerful as they possibly can. And I think that is 0.0001% of the population. And I think when you're that kind of narcissist and you're that invested in your own personal brand, you will almost do whatever it takes to get attention. It doesn't matter how controversial, how outrageous you have to be, you'll do what it takes to cut through. And unfortunately, I think with YouTube to be noteworthy and relevant relies on being as outlandish as possible these people built their careers they weren't always big they didn't always have 20 million followers the way to get the first million is to be a person who gives shock factor yeah it's a person the who goes value. against the grain and I think to be that kind of person and to want to do that you probably have to be a bit of a narcissist do you think we're seeing the fall of YouTube stars now because I wonder if we've grown out of it the more I'm actually thinking about this the more I think we're actually growing out of it I think, I mean, I only just had this thought before. I think the reason we're coming for YouTube stars more intensely than we are for Instagram stars, TikTok stars, Twitter stars. I don't even know if Twitter stars is a thing. (laughs) I think the reason we come for YouTubers more is because we have more transparency with how much money they're earning. We do not have a lot of time for people who are making tens or hundreds of millions of dollars. And I think now it's getting to that stage. Knowing how much Shane Dawson and Jeffree Star made from an eyeshadow palette in half an hour, $35 million, I think we can rest assured these people are now earning in the hundreds of millions across their career. 
We know how AdSense works. We know that these people get ads put across their videos. We can calculate if we want to how much they're earning per video if a video gets a million views. We can't do that for Instagram. We can't do that for TikTok. There's a lot more barriers, I think, to calculating someone's net worth. But the fact these people are so rich means there's a long way to fall because we don't have a lot of time for people who are very, very rich and don't suffer any consequences for their actions. Yeah, I wonder if there is a tiny bit of resentment there too. But I also wonder if YouTube stars more than anyone else have the kind of fame that no other influencer has found across any other platform because they've given so much of themselves Mm. over. And then I wonder when they're finding themselves going to the Met Gala, like James Charles going to the Met Gala and in circles with other kind of old school celebrities, if their model of fame is never going to work in a long-term sense Mm. because they don't have the the team around them to protect them. Old school celebs like the Kardashians or actresses or TV stars have a whole PR team protecting them from their audience as a wall between them and their audience. And as a journalist, when we interview someone with a PR person sitting in there, it's really hard for us to crack through. Mm. We often prefer an influencer who doesn't have anyone else there who will say what they think, which is good in the moment, but often maybe doesn't have any longevity to that fame when they put their foot in it every so often. I agree with that. I absolutely think it has a lot to do with the team being around you. And if you are a not delegitimate, but not as a legitimate form of celebrity as someone say Margot Robbie or Taylor Swift, you're probably not going to fork out the money to hire a PR person. It's expensive. And I think this also happens to them so quickly that say James Charles's career burst within 18 months. He went from being this guy that nobody knew about to being a household name around the world, making the pages of the age in Melbourne yeah. to a bunch of boomers who probably don't care, but now know his name. That quick trajectory and that rapid rise probably meant that he didn't recalibrate and he didn't take stock of his own fame and his own celebrity status and bring in those kind of mechanisms to protect himself. 100%. I think as well, YouTube and Twitter, I think they platform streams of consciousness in a way that other social media apps don't. If you become famous on YouTube, often YouTubers are on Twitter And I think they're reacting to things in real time and they forget that those things live on the internet forever. You can delete, you can archive, you can do whatever you want. The last two and a half weeks with Jenna Marbles, Shane Dawson, Jeffree Star, not putting them in the same bucket, by the way, I think Jenna Marbles is a different kettle of fish compared to these two who are not only racist, but sexualizing children and doing a host of just incredibly inflammatory and disgusting things. I think it shows that they forget in the moment. They feel like they're just reacting real time online and they forget that this is going out to tens of millions of people and it is going to come back to bite them. What do you think is going to happen to other YouTube stars like Shane Dawson and Jeffree Star? I mean, I can't imagine a world where they still don't have a heap of power over a very invested audience, but do you wonder if if much will change in the YouTube community? I think if they've got a brain, to be blunt about it, they'll get help. PR is not something that's easy. It's not something that I think people just pick up on the fly, particularly people who might be narcissistic. Yeah. I think you have to bring someone in. And if you don't, you're acting like your gut reaction is the best thing to go with. And this is Shane Dawson, someone who thought that he should live stream his reaction to Tardy Westbrook's video last week, where he rolled his eyes at her when she claimed that she had been sexually assaulted. This is clearly not a man who knows how to deal in the public realm very well or control his messaging that he's putting out anymore. The one thing I will say is that if these people do hire a PR professional, I hope they still take on feedback that comes their way. They take on criticism and they work to become actively anti-racist, but also someone who doesn't sexualize an 11-year-old in a video. 
Well said. Hey, I think that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much to everyone who joined us today and also everyone who joined us on our Instagram live with Justco last week. We loved answering your career and business questions. We'll be popping some more questions on their Instagram TV. Does anyone call it Instagram TV? Yeah. IGTV? IGTV. In the coming days and weeks. So keep your eyes peeled there. Anything you want to add, Mish? Uh, We are dropping our next round of merch today. We want to hit that $10,000 mark of money raised for charity. We're, of course, raising money for Naja and we're raising money for Safe Steps Victoria. I am wearing my merch jumper right now. It is so comfy. You will absolutely love it. So keep an eye on our Instagram page. It's at Shameless Podcast. Every merch drop has sold out within about an hour. So if you want one and if you want to donate to charity and do some good, go quickly. Get on it. Get on it. We will be back in your ears, guys, on Thursday. Woo! Bye. Hello guys, Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media. Thank you so much for giving us your ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish. Style-ish, if you want to say it quickly. Style-ish, if you want to take the long way through. It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse. If you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. There is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for Style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one.